You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you're a 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into a very special edition of the 415ers podcast. Of course, three times a week, Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 95.7 The Game, Mark Randy, Evan Giddings. It is a playoff edition, a playoff victory edition of the 415ers. Mark, my man, how are you? I'm doing well, Evan. Riding high after a Niners postseason win on Saturday. We're recording this here Sunday evening. Uh, We wanted to wait until we saw the results of the uh, Vikings and Giants game, because if the Vikings came out on top, we would know the Niners opponent. Uh, But the Giants pulled off the slight upset. So we have that fresh in our minds, but still a dominant win for the 49ers over the Seahawks. I'm doing well. How are you, Evan? I'm fantastic. I know there was some uh, playoff upset so to speak this weekend and of course the Vikings going down being one of them but for those of you who know me uh, I'm a Chargers fan at heart and they of course took a very difficult L this weekend to the Jacksonville Jaguars we don't have enough time on the podcast to discuss that Mark so we're going to (laughs) discuss the positives of the weekend and the San Francisco 49ers but if you want to throw a shot or two in uh, now would be your time Uh, I will only say maybe I you know recording this Sunday afternoon. I haven't heard anything yet. Maybe this results in the end of the Brandon Staley era for the Chargers. Who knows? And that could end up being a good thing. I guess we'll find out. But that's all I'll say on that. I, I know you're hurting. Let's just move on to the 49ers. Yeah, we'll see if it's three steps backward to move uh, four steps forward. Who knows? <laughs> but we're here to talk about the 49ers and their dominating victory against the Seattle Seahawks. Really a tale of two halves. They beat the Seahawks for the third time In this season, 41-23, the final score. It was Brock Purdy's coming out party. The defense shut out the Seahawks in the second half, leading to 25 unanswered points for the offense, Mark. And although maybe the first 30 minutes were not ideal, and I'm sure none of us really foresaw the Seahawks going into the locker room with a halftime lead, I think the second half restored a lot of confidence in what the Niners both did on Saturday, as well as what they could do in the postseason. And I want to start with the quarterback because I think that's where everything really changed for me as far as my confidence in this team and a lot of people's confidence at the point in which he had to enter for Jimmy Garoppolo. People were wondering how he was going to respond to a playoff atmosphere. It looked a little bit shaky in the first half, but at the end of the day, you look up, And for those watching on YouTube, you see the final line, which is 18 of 30, 330 yards, four total touchdowns. The first rookie to do that in his first postseason appearance and a second half that was pretty much flawless. 
Yeah, I, I think it. you're right uh, when you say that it's a tale of two halves, not just for the team and the game in general, but more specifically for Brock Purdy. The first half, as you mentioned, was a little uneven. He missed a couple of throws early. I know there were a lot of questions post-game. Is, you know, can you just, you know, say that was because of nerves? A, a rookie playing in his first postseason game, does it just take a drive or two to, to get settled in? Um, I think there's something to that, but he was 9 of 19 in the first half, 147 yards. He did throw a touchdown. He did take one sack. Um, Honestly, and I I know we don't really have many bad halves to choose from, Evan, but that might have been Brock Purdy's worst half as a starter for the 49ers. Now, that's not saying that it was terrible. Again, he's been really, really good. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I feel like that's a compliment. It is. It really is. It's because there's not really much else to choose from. Um, But overall, probably his worst half as the starting quarterback of this 49er team. And there were mistakes for the whole team as well. I mean, Jimmy Ward with a really just a terrible decision at the end of the first half, hitting a sliding Geno Smith that gifted the Seahawks three points and gifted them the lead going into the second half. Uh, There were some, some other issues as well. I mean, the defense specifically Charvarius Mooney Ward letting DK Met- Metcalf get past him for a 50-yard touchdown. There was a lot of blame to go around for the first half, but but focusing specifically on Brock Purdy, I would argue probably the worst half of his professional career. Again, it's saying not much because he's had a lot of really good halves. But the second half, to your point, to come out and finish 18 of 30 for 332 yards, three passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. He bookended maybe the worst half of his career with the best half of his career. He was incredible in the second half. He was unstoppable. The offense was flowing. You got Debo Samuel involved. Christian McCaffrey was great once again as well. Brandon Ayuk with clutch catch after clutch catch, except for one drop in the end zone, which would have been the highlight (laughs) of the century from Brock Purdy. Um, But all in all, Brock Purdy, he answered some questions because our main question heading into this game was, how is he going to respond to some postseason adversity? And it it wasn't the pick six that we kind of threw out there as a potential issue. How is he going to bounce back from that? But it was a bad half, trailing at halftime. How did he respond? by coming out and putting 25 points on the board in the second half and leading uh, the team through maybe their best half of football this season. He was incredible. Yeah, I'm with you. And and look, if you want to counter with, hey, you're playing the Seattle Seahawks, you've already beat them twice. Brock Purdy showed he could do it up in Seattle. This is a team that was, as we discussed in our preview episode, unable to stop the run for pretty much the second half of the season. It's a team that maybe didn't deserve to be in the playoffs and got a lot of help as a 9-8 and eight squad to get into the postseason. But this is where I felt like Brock Purdy answered the bell. And it was in the red zone. I mean, we saw some magical stuff from Brock Purdy. I mean, you mentioned the Brandon Ayuk non-catch. That play (laughs) would have gone down in history as a rookie quarterback doing that, a Mahomesian-like dance away from defensive ends and defensive linemen, scooting to his right, finding a pinpoint accurate throw to Ayuk in the back corner of the end zone. But he did that really all game long, well, specifically in the second half. But Brock Purdy and his ability to extend plays is the reason why this offense has been humming the way it has. And for a sixth game out of the seven that he has played has put up 30 or more points. 
41, a season high for the 49ers because he extends plays like no quarterback probably since Kaepernick for the 49ers and his ability to use his legs and create just enough opening for an Ayuk, for a Debo Samuel, for a George Kittle, for guys that are in of themselves experts at extending plays and, and getting yards after catch and figuring out where to find open space. Brock Purdy allows them to do that more so than any quarterback that I've seen, especially in the Kyle Shanahan era. So for Brock Purdy in the red zone to create windows and openings and then having enough you know, gall to stand in the pocket knowing that he's going to take a hit or outside of the pocket knowing that he's going to be absolutely destroyed once he releases this football is what I saw on Saturday against the Seahawks team that in the second half was begging to be beat, was begging to lay down. And Brock Purdy, I mean, he had guys on the other side after the game talking about how you know, we're, we're trying to sack him. Pete Carroll's like, we're trying to get this guy, but we just simply cannot take him down. He was absolutely magical in the second half and three touchdowns along with the rushing touchdown. And maybe he shouldn't have had the rushing touchdown because I thought Christian McCaffrey got in before on the play previous. But Brock Purdy, that's about as good as you can ask a guy in his situation as a rookie quarterback, as a guy that no one expects a lot out of, and a guy that has taken this offense to new heights. He answered the bell on Saturday in a playoff scenario. I was extremely impressed. Yeah, I was. And just some of the numbers, putting them into context, Brock Purdy, the first rookie quarterback to account for four touchdowns in a playoff game, not just your first playoff start, but your first rookie quarterback in general uh, to, to account for four touchdowns in a playoff game. The last four quarterbacks to throw for 330 or more yards with four total touchdowns and zero interceptions in a playoff game. Patrick Mahomes did it last year. Matt Ryan did it in 2017. Aaron Rodgers also did it in 2017. And now add Brock Purdy to that list. So Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Patrick Mahomes, and Brock Purdy, the last four quarterbacks with 330 or more passing yards, four total touchdowns, and no interceptions in a playoff game. He's the youngest player in NFL postseason history to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns, beating out Dan Marino, who was his childhood hero. Uh, an incredible uh, number there. You also look at history maybe Niner fans are a little more familiar with, Brock Purdy with four career postseason touchdowns already has as many career playoff touchdowns as Jimmy Garoppolo does. Jimmy Garoppolo never threw for more than 232 yards and two touchdowns in a single game. And in his first game, Purdy for 332 and four total touchdowns. So any way you slice it, any way you look at the numbers, historic day for Brock Purdy. More importantly, he leads the Niners to the win. And I think after a performance like this, Evan, you're more confident in the 49ers' ability to go out and win a game against another elite quarterback, A, Josh Allen, A, Patrick Mahomes, because you saw Brock Purdy put up 41 points. Not saying that he's going to be as good as those guys or play as well as those guys, but the fact that he could help lead this offense to a 40-point game in the postseason, I think, gives you more confidence moving forward. I think it does. And, well, actually, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily more confident because of a couple things. And I did mention one of them in them being who he was playing in the Seattle Seahawks. We're going to see next week him either play Dallas or Tampa Bay, who is already beaten. And if he does the exact same thing, 
you know, I'm certainly going to give him credit for that. But where I will say that Brock Purdy got the benefit on Saturday was when Kyle Shanahan dove deep into his bag and got back to basics. In the first half, the San Francisco 49ers threw the ball twice, almost twice as much as they ran the football. Again, against a team that the last eight weeks of the season had shown you they could not stop the run. And we were talking about how we thought this was going to be a big Christian McCaffrey game. Well, on the first touch of the game, he goes 68 yards and then doesn't seem to get the ball the rest of the first half. Meanwhile, in the second half, that opening 13-play drive, to me, is where Kyle Shanahan reset, got back to what I think he wanted to do, which was put the ball on the ground. 10 of those 13 plays were runs, and that's where the game changed in favor of the 49ers. So as much as I do think Brock Purdy was dynamic, he was dominant against the Seahawks, where he was allowed to be himself, which was moving the ball through the air and allowing his playmakers to do damage after the catch, was after the Seattle Seahawks had to respect the ground game of the 49ers. That's not something we saw in the first half, but that's what we saw plenty of to begin the second half, and that's where I think things opened up for Brock Purdy. You're right on. I agree with you 100%. I was, you know, at halftime going through some of the numbers, thinking back to to how the Niners fell behind at half, and I thought the same thing. The Niners need to run the ball in the second half. Give it to Christian McCaffrey. Give it to Debo Samuel. Give it to Elijah Mitchell as well. And that's exactly what they did. You mentioned that first play out of the break, 13-play drive. They go 75 yards in 7 minutes and 45 seconds of game time. They get into the end zone. And as you said, 10 of those 13 plays were on the ground. Six of them were handoffs to Christian McCaffrey. On that drive alone, Christian McCaffrey with six carries had more carries than he had in the entire first half of the game. So I think Kyle Shanahan saw what you saw, saw what I saw as well and decided, all right, it's time to run the ball with Christian McCaffrey, give some change of pace touches to Elijah Mitchell, get Debo Samuel involved as well. And even when they were throwing the ball, it was more of the quick game, the short game, the screen game to Debo Samuel, even to Christian McCaffrey out in the flat. We even saw Elijah Mitchell with the catch out of the backfield. The Niners won the game on the strength of their running game in the second half, and then that opened things up in the past game for Debo Samuel, for Brandon Ayuk, for a big Jawan Jennings catch as well. The run game was the key in the second half. I agree. Yeah, and the run game opened things up, I think, for Brock Purdy, who had an average time to throw of 3.3 seconds. That's according to Nick Wagner of ESPN. That's the longest in a game this season among players with at least 25 attempts in the game. So, you know, Seattle didn't bring much pressure. That was sort of appropriate for what they like to do defensively. They don't blitz a whole lot, but Brock Purdy was sitting back there and it was, it was noticeable. Just the eye test would tell you he had time to throw. And that's why we saw, you know, guys running free over the middle and a lot of openings for Brock Purdy to be able to hit with guys with no one around them. I mean, the Debo Samuel, you know, long touchdown (laughs) catch was 75 ish yards, he had no one near him and then sprung with a nice block by Brandon Ayuk went untouched, you know, basically the length of the field. That to me is, is an example of how Kyle Shanahan used the run game and play action to open things up deep down the field, combined with the fact that the offensive line did a fantastic job of both establishing a physical presence at the line of scrimmage in the run game, while also giving Brock Purdy enough time, even when, 
he didn't need to extend, when he didn't need to dance behind the line of scrimmage of enough time to identify those open receivers that were running wild. And it basically became a track meet in that second half. Yeah, a note on that Debo Samuel play. Um, I'm always surprised when he gets going how fast he is. He doesn't like, He doesn't appear fast, He's got game speed. He does. I mean, he... He's a, sh- a shorter guy. He's obviously built. I mean, he's he's strong and he's big. You don't expect him to be as fast as he is. And I think he also catches defenders off guard, even defenders that have played against him in the past and know who he is and know what he's capable of. But when he gets going, he can zip past you. And you mentioned the block by Brandon Ayuk, which was incredible and really was the talk of postgame in the locker room. For the 49ers, Brandon Ayuk's willingness and ability to lay those kind of blocks consistently, finally getting some recognition for that. But Debo Samuel's speed was on display. And you just think back to the game against the Buccaneers and how lucky the 49ers got that Debo Samuel did not suffer a season-ending injury because it appeared like it it might have been a really serious injury for Debo Samuel thinking back on it. Uh, and I'm not sure... Uh, you know what the difference would have been. Niners probably still able to get come out with a win without him in this game, but it would not have been an 18 point margin. Debo Samuel was incredible, so Niners certainly uh, dodged a bullet there. But man, his speed—it it catches you off guard. At least me, it catches me off guard every time he, he breaks one of those. He is—he is elite with the ball in his hands. Yeah, I think it's difficult. You're spot on to identify how quickly he accelerates once he gets the ball. And it's something that I think unless you watch Debo Samuel play a lot is hard to kind of quantify because you would think he's, you know, if you just, I'm, I bet if you checked his combine numbers, he's probably a four five or a four six, which is don't get me wrong fast. <laughs> but we talked about earlier this year, how him and George Kittle, at, uh, you know, if you look at combine numbers, basically run the same speed. But when you watch him during the game, there's a different gear that he can definitely get to. And that is Debo Samuel.